Welcome. This is Ram Forward, a weekly podcast about the Los Angeles Rams. Hosted by two guys in California and Florida, it's LA Rams coast to coast. Hello again, I'm Forrest Kelly, three and a half hours east of the 50 line at SoFi Stadium in Southern California. And I'm Mark LZ Rams, 2,200 miles east of the L.A. Memorial Coliseum in Northeast Florida. Okay, before we get into the walking wounded and just who's playing what and all of the things that we can talk about because the Rams are giving us so much material to talk about these days, let's get into another great trivia question. Okay, well, last week I railed mercilessly on Bobby Lunchmeat Evans our current left guard. It made me think of past great left guards in Rams history. So today's trivia question is about left guards. The Rams had a great left guard from 1966 through 1978. He started 176 games during that period and made 11 Pro Bowls. He is considered to be the best Rams guard in history. Name him. Oh yeah, I've got a story about this one too. That uh, I never thought about it until I read your trivia question. And I thought, wow. I had that memory tucked away, and I'll I'll reveal that a little bit later on. Uh, Sean McVay said after Sunday's game, pretty much the same things he's always said, but specifically he says, I don't necessarily think it's the panic button, but changes have to be made. Adjustments have to be made. We can't continue to go on like this. And what that looks like, I don't necessarily have the exact answers right now, unquote. Okay, I've got a feeling that you've got some strong feelings about what he said there, Mark. Yeah, well, maybe I can help Sean, who apparently, by his own admission, is clueless. First off, let me say I'm here to criticize. I'm not here to say, let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. That's not me, and frankly, I think it makes for a dull podcast. I don't expect us to have a winning season every year, but I do expect coaches and players to do their jobs in a professional manner. I do not think the job McVeigh has done this year is professional. It looks quite amateurish to me. Thus, my entire commentary today is about Sean McVeigh. Next podcast, we will go back to the usual format. The biggest reason for the Rams' 3-5 and five record is Sean McVay. He's doing a horrible job this year. He did an excellent job in prior years, but this year he's just not the same guy. He's the person most responsible for this mess. He's the head coach. The buck stops with him. He has made horrible personnel choices, and his offensive schemes have been boring and ineffective. Sunday's loss to the Bucks went about as I expected, with the Bucks winning by three points on a last-minute TD pass by Brady. Both offenses were even more anemic than I thought, but there were less points scored than I expected. It was a boring game most of the way. You could see it coming as in the final minute, the Raheem Morris-Sharman defense failed us and allowed the Bucks to move down the field to score the winning touchdown in less than one minute. Do I blame Porras for this? Yes, to some extent, but McVay is the head coach. It's his ultimate responsibility for how the whole team plays. He needs to tell Porras to change things up. Stop playing the defensive backs so far back. So while I think Porras sucks, I think McVay sucks even more because he is allowing this to happen. Do we have two head coaches, one for the offense and one for the defense? No. Porras is a coordinator, but the ultimate responsibility falls on McVay. I think Porras is a lousy defensive coordinator, but McVay is the head coach, so he needs to intervene and get the defense straightened out. I have been pointing out all year that our defense needs to do these four things. I'm not calling for a drastic overhaul of the whole scheme, just some minor tweaks that I think would improve it. One, play the cornerbacks a few yards closer to the line of scrimmage so 
so that these five to eight yard pass plays we give up routinely aren't so easy for the opposition. Two, play press man coverage more often. Three, blitz a little more often. And four, run some stunts on the defensive line. I say all this every week, but every week we see the same scheme on defense. Okay, now for the offense, which is supposed to be McVeigh's strong suit. He continues to play Lunchmeat Evans at left guard. This guy is the worst offensive lineman I have ever seen play for the Rams. We heard on Wednesday that Stafford may miss Sunday's game with a concussion. We don't know for sure how it happened. Perhaps he heard it some other way, but I think it likely happened on Sunday. What we do know is that Stafford has taken a beating all season, and it has been especially brutal the last four games as Lunchmeat has allowed rushers to hammer Stafford unabated. McVeigh's insistence on calling straight dropbacks rather than rolling the pocket has further exacerbated the problem. Here's what Pro Football Focus stated about Evans. Quote, Bobby Evans allowed three sacks, two to Vita Vey, and was the lowest graded player on offense at 35.4. He earned a pass blocking grade of, get this, 13.6. He also allowed six of the 12 quarterback pressures, unquote. It may be accurate to say that our whole offensive line doesn't suck, just Evans. And I don't care what round he was drafted in. If he's trash, he's trash. He gave up three sacks in Sunday's game. Even on the touchdown pass to Cup, Stafford had to throw the ball with Evans being bull rushed into him. On many plays, he just stands there blocking nobody. McVeigh should put Skura or Abushi in. Put anybody in. This guy is by far the weakest link along the offensive line. Starting him week after week can only be attributed to stupidity or stubbornness. Bring in Eric Flowers or someone else. Do something. You cannot have Evan starting game after game like this. There's no excuse for it. This is the fourth game he has started, and he has been a disaster in all four games. I can't still decide if McVeigh is playing Evans out of stupidity or stubbornness. I think he's more likely to turn incredibly stubborn from 2021 to 22 than to turn this stupid in just one season. Now, if he were 75 years old, I would say maybe he's having cognitive issues, but he's only in his late 30s. And after winning the Super Bowl, I think maybe he's got a certain amount of stubborn. His play calling is trash. It's predictable and ineffective. The weakest part of our offensive line is the interior part. So does he adjust? No. He continues to run the majority of running plays up the gut. We should be running outside the tackles most of the time. Same thing with passing plays. He calls straight dropbacks even though he knows our interior offensive line cannot maintain a pocket. He should be rolling out most of the passing plays. Now, he had been using the screen pass effectively in recent weeks, but stopped calling them this past Sunday, and I have no idea why. Good coaches design schemes that accentuate their team's strong points and mask, to some extent, their weak points. McVeigh has not done that this year. We need to go back to the 2017-2018 type offense with lots of pre-snap motion, jet sweeps, rolling the pocket, up-tempo snap, traditional screens, and get the running backs involved in the passing game plus run more outside the tackles, and maybe call an occasional flea flicker. Those offenses were fun to watch. This year, the Rams' offense is a cure for insomnia. McVeigh is a victim of inertia. Something needs to change to get him out of this rut. Yeah, and it's surprising, too. Like you said, there are flashes of it uh, during the uh, you know the first eight games or seven games that uh, we see. He runs a few of these plays and mixes it up. And by and large, they're successful, and it's like, He's still stuck in the preseason where you don't want to reveal all of these trick plays or these other plays, you know, to show too much before the season starts. It's like, 
hello, Sean. We're in the middle of the season and we're losing. Right. <laughs> no need to, uh, to hold your hand to reveal your cards. Put them out there and make them stop it. But, right. Uh, yep, I agree. Yeah, it's frustrating. So there are trivia hints. We ask you to name the Rams left guard from 1966 to 1978. And now here is a hint. He attended Michigan, wore number 65. He teamed with right guard Joe Shabelli for most of his career. And in the final few years, he teamed with Dennis Hera. And he went to, into the Hall of Fame in 1999. And so what left guard fits in with those uh, two right guards? Now, there's uh, another additional hint. Well, I had a kid, one of my best friends, lived up the street. And his dad worked for a company that made these toys. And I had a buttload of these toys that he got as perks from his job. And I'll reveal that and the name a little bit later. So another uh, fine from the uh, press conference, another fine quote from Sean McVay. He said, quote, we've got to figure out how to make it a better operation so they don't feel like you're wasting plays because in some instances, that's what I feel like. We're getting some of the looks that we want and we get to be able to execute. We have to be able to execute better. He goes on to say, we've got to be able to hit blocks better. We've got to be able to handle movement better. And then we've got to be able to create a little bit more than what sometimes the play is blocked for. Those are the things I don't think is asking too much. Uh, well, pretty much uh, that whole thing, boiling it down to what he said there was lunch meat, lunch meat, lunch meat. Okay. <laughs> All right, Mark, what do you think? Well, when he says those are the things I don't think is asking too much, my response is, are you nuts? Asking Cole and A and Evans to consistently hit Fox and win one-on-one is definitely asking too much. Did he expect these guys to actually execute blocks? They can't block. They're third stringers. That's obvious. Cole and A is gone, thankfully, yet Evans continues to start. McVeigh is delusional. He must somehow think that second and third string guys can block like starters. The smart thing is to run outside the tackles where success of the play is less dependent on scrub offensive linemen winning one-on-one versus defenders. Jet sweeps are okay, but we need to run regular running plays outside the tackles. When you have crappy players along the offensive line, it's insane to continuously call plays whose success is predicated on them blocking as if they were actually capable of doing that. So while it's fair to say that our offensive line sucks, it is equally fair to say that McVeigh has not adjusted his play calling to reflect that. He's calling plays as if he still has his Super Bowl offensive line out there. Last year, we had this stretch during COVID where seven or eight guys would go on and off the COVID list every week. Yet he kept the team together, designed plays commensurate with his players' abilities, and we played well throughout that stretch. I lavished praise all over him for several weeks because he deserved it. That was the old Sharp McVeigh. We need that guy back. This year, he has done little to merit any praise. So the age-old question is, what effect does the coach have on the game? We could debate that because that is a fascinating topic because there are so many factors that play into it. One thing is for sure, the coach affects the game by A, the game plan and personnel he uses, and B, how he adjusts that plan during the game. Considering just this season, McVay has done a poor job in those areas. I also don't like how McVay has handled the running back situation. Putting the Akers issue aside because I sense that Akers is to blame for the whole mess, let's review. First, he passes on Latavius Murray in the preseason, who eventually signs elsewhere for a measly $1.1 million. A Murray-Hendu tandem with Kyron Williams waiting in the wings is good enough to win, and all this Cam Akers drama is moot. They simply cut the guy or trade him for a seventh rounder and make it all go away. Then he cuts Jake Fund. Then he later brings in Rodney Rivers. 
Now, what's the logic in that? At least Funk contributed on special teams, and he knew the playbook. Then he brings in Malcolm Brown. Have you watched Malcolm Brown run? He doesn't have enough of a burst to be effective. As I pointed out in the previous podcast, he's using Henderson too much as a blocker. I've given specifics of that, quoting you know his snaps, the number of blocks and runs, etc. Hendu has been our best runner since he joined the team, especially when he runs outside the tackles. He's also a good pass catcher. Why McVay is not utilizing his skill set properly is puzzling. Rookie running back Kyron Williams is set to return Sunday, and I am looking forward to seeing what he can do. The wheels have come off for McVay. He is not the sharp guy he has been the past five seasons. He looks totally lost once the game starts. He cannot adjust anymore. He is stuck with that perpetual deer-in-the-headlights look. You look at him on the sidelines, and he's, they zoom in on him, and he, he's look like he's got this glaze over his eyes as, a, as if he doesn't know what to do. Maybe winning the Super Bowl, getting the big contract, and getting married all have taken the edge off him. Maybe he is suffering from burnout. Right now, his game planning and play calling are Pop Warner-ish. We can only hope that he will bounce back in 2023. Look, guys lose their edge. It's a natural process in life. Maybe he's suffering from a slight case of burnout. He's already in the sixth year, and it was a very intense guy, so it's logical to assume he might not be able to maintain that level of intensity forever. My disappointment is in the fact that I know he could do better because I've seen it. There's no excuse for some of the mistakes he has made this year. Yeah, I, t- I kind of wonder that if he doesn't retire next year, just from all of this, and then him talking him already about retirement when, when the the uh, core of the team uh, fizzles out. But I, I, it makes me wonder. And when you're bringing up about Hindu using too much uh, him too much as a blocker, it's like, yeah, what Ben Skoranek was in that uh, hybrid fullback position, and they were doing great. He was he wasn't missing assignments. He was doing, uh, you know, some flare-outs and things, and then he gone. Last three games, where's Skoranek? He's been absent. Well, when Van Jefferson came back, I think it's cut into uh, Skoranek, one of the mooses I call him, snaps. I thought it would be a three-way rotation between VJ, the moose, and Allen Robinson, but it looks like McVeigh is sticking with Allen Robinson, and he's, his snaps have not dropped. It's been uh, VJ snaps have come at the expense of the moose. Right, and, but, and then on that, with that logic, too, it's like, okay, we already saw that Van Jefferson in that one game, first game he came back, he didn't get any targets. And, um, I th- well, I think he did get one target, but it was, like, you know, inconsequential. And then the second game, has he even caught a pass yet? No, he had he, one. It would have been like a 35-yard game that hit him right in the hands, and he missed it. He, he, right, that's right, yep. Yeah, he missed it. So three games back and he hasn't caught a pass and yeah, still Skoranek was effective and he was productive. So, okay, you know, I'm, I'm feeling your frustration and I, I'm getting frustrated as well watching this and I'm hoping for a different outcome this coming uh, week, but we'll see. What is, what's your uh, summary of the whole situation? Well, we have a lot of problems to fix, but you have to start somewhere. You fix them one at a time, starting with the most glaring problem. Right now, our most glaring problem is replacing Lunchmeat Evans at left guard. I've lost confidence in McVay because he's just not changing things enough and because he's letting Porus destroy the defense. We are three and five. That means we have to have to go seven and two to finish at ten and seven. I doubt we beat the Chiefs, so that means we can only lose one other game and still have a chance to make the playoffs. Given the state of this team and McVay's ineptitude, that's a long shot. As for this Sunday, it should be another yawn fest no matter what, because neither McVay nor Porus has had a creative game plan all year. If Stafford cannot play, that could motivate McVeigh to install a more dynamic scheme like we saw in the golf days. 
As of Friday night, when we're recording this podcast, Stafford's status for Sunday is uncertain, although it seems unlikely that he will play. However, starting guard Coleman Shelton has been activated, so that should send Lunchmeat to the bench. If so, I think we'll win no matter who plays quarterback. Prediction, Rams 17, Cardinals 13. Yeah, okay, and uh, Kyler Murray, we still don't know about him. He's day-to-day, whether he plays or not. And then uh, our center, Brian Allen, is out, right? Possibly, yeah. We have other issues along the offensive line with Flabby Jackson at left tackle and Brian Allen at center possibly out. But well, you know, at this point, it, it doesn't seem to matter. Every game, we have three guys on the offensive line go out, so that becomes like par for the course. <laughs> with, with those two guys being out, don't get your hopes up, and lunch meet may yeah. make an appearance. He might play left tackle. They're going to move him. They're going to uh, promote him from left guard. <laughs> I could see McVay say that. Uh, Bobby Evans has done some great things, so we're promoting him from left guard to left tackle. Don't laugh with McVay this year. You know, he, he could do something like that. Oh. It would not surprise me. Wouldn't that be something? And and if uh, if Stafford can't play, do you think they're going to uh, 50-50 it? Uh, no, I think it'll be mostly Perkins. Wolford. I think it, no, I think it'll be mostly Wolford. But I think there'll be a few plays for Perkins, maybe some run pass options, some wildcat plays, some designed uh, quarterback runs. So, as I said before, maybe with Stafford being out, now he can't just depend upon having a great quarterback that he thinks is just going to make great plays. Now he's got, you know, scrubs basically back there, so he can't depend upon their natural ability. He has to design plays to make the team win. He can't just say, well, we'll just drop straight back and let Stafford hit Cup or Stafford hit Higby or whatever the the plan is he's going to have to it's going to be more like when he had Goff when he didn't really have a lot of confidence in his quarterback and he had to make up for that gap in competency with his game planning so this could be his best game plan of the year out of necessity so that's I'm looking forward to that I think that's a definite possibility so again you predict Rams 17 Cardinals 13 Our trivia question, who was the stellar left guard, the Hall of Fame left guard who manned the position for the Rams from 1966 to 1978? It was the man with the name of the truck company that my one of my best friends, his dad worked for Mack Trucks, and his dad would always bring home toy Mack Trucks. It was Tom Mack. This has been the Ram Forward Podcast. We ask that you like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you really like the show, feel free to write a review.